Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 82. In today's episode, I am interviewed by my friends Joe Rignola and Michael Roseline over on the Rebel Health Tribe podcast. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to hear our discussions on education, physical therapy, and even a nice dive into shamanism. On this episode of the Rebel Health Tribe podcast, available at rebelhealthtribe.com, we welcome Nick Horowski from Evolution Health and Fitness. I have these books, like I have Sarah, I have Deepak Chopra, I have yeah. uh, Eckhart Tolle, like all these things on my bookshelf. Do you know the books I've never read or can't even get through the first chapter on are all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And yet, I can go and, I, like I said, if I'm going doing my Tai Chi, if I'm going uh, just like, I do more of like a deep breathing as my meditation. If I go and do a shamanic journey, nothing. Like I don't even think about it. I'm just there. I'm yeah, in it. I'm incredible. But yet I cannot read a lot of that stuff. I, I'm the same way. I am I would rather hear, listen to them speak. I would rather listen to. Yeah, sometimes it gets to me. I'm like, yeah. Let's just go do this. Then. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> Interesting. You know that a lot of people do that. A lot, you know, and I think maybe I'm guilty of that too. Now that I, now that I think about it, it's like people prepare and prepare and prepare to get ready to do the thing instead of just doing the thing. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't recognize that until we just actually until you said yeah. show, and then I was like, I don't know why I have all of those books. It's amazing. <laughs> That's coming up. Welcome back to the Rebel Health Tribe Podcast. I'm Joe Rignola, and uh, today I'm flying solo without Mike today. Mike uh, apparently has uh, some apocalyptic construction going on next door to him, so uh, the noise would be would be out of control. But uh, I'm super happy to be joined by Nick Horowski. I had to slow that down to get it right. Hey, Nick, how's it going? You hit, you hit it dead on, so uh, it's already a good start to the show here. It, it's it's hard for us New Yorkers to... to speak in general so to say to say a name that's a little out of, out of the ordinary is especially hard but your your website is evo-health.com right yes it is very cool and your your podcast which i was just had the pleasure of being on about a week or so ago i don't know it could have been a month ago and my my time my frame of reference for time right now is out, out the window but your podcast is the bare naked podcast right bare naked health bare naked health podcast yeah and uh that was that was a blast and it was a few weeks ago so you're you're in the right time all right cool yeah and yeah. and remember you do those naked, right? That's the that's the uh, yeah. That's why I only shoot like we're shooting from the head up, just yeah. because down below, yeah, nothing else. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean we do typically don't wear pants on this one, so so we're good. We're all uh, fit we're on the same page there. <laughs> so how was that, folks? Awkward enough? <laughs> <laughs> so so Nick, we always start out just by uh, letting people tell us the uh, the brief, you know, sort of public facing story of of what you do, and more importantly, why you do it. So for me, it's, I, I love health. I grew up, um, I, I, I feel like 
my mom always kind of taught me about health. Like I always got it more from her and uh, my grandfather actually. So it was for him, it was garlic could cure anything. So that's kind of where I started. And I mean, I was just always interested in health, fitness, like uh, trying to crush weights, be strong. Like when you're in high school doing that whole thing, Mm -hmm. got to college, studied physical therapy. And so now I'm a physical therapist. That's, that's uh, basically my main gig. Uh, and then I also have, like you said, Evo Health, I have the Bare Naked Health podcast. Like for me right now, what I'm doing, I'm interviewing kind of like what you guys are doing on the show here too. I love interviewing like some of the healthiest people in the world and mm-hmm. just seeing how they live, like seeing yeah. what they do. Uh, because I found that it doesn't matter, uh, almost if you're a health or wellness practitioner or not, it, you just have, people have amazing health journeys. Yeah. So it's fun for me to be able to learn from just about anybody and learning from clients that I work with too. It's it's a similar thing. Like, well, that's an interesting thing. People don't realize that we learn, you know, we should be learning from our clients. And I think a lot of, you know, so maybe medical practitioners in general feel like they're, they have nothing to learn from, from the people that they're, they're trying to help. And I think for us to have that open mindedness to say, Hey, you know what? We may have something to learn from these people that we're trying to help too. Yeah. And it, if I didn't learn something from somebody, I feel like not that I'm not missing out on it, but I, I can't help them fully because I think yeah. to learn from their experiences, that's going to be able, I'm going to be able to help them that much further along with things. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also going to help me with myself and then anybody else that I'm working with too. I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about. Everybody just kind of sharing that message because mm-hmm. I can't show somebody how to get healthy. I can talk to them about it and they're going to realize it for themselves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of the way we all learn. So you started out with physical therapy, but you moved more into like a holistic nutrition sort of approach and holistic health. What, what was the transformation there? Was it really a transformation or just kind of something you tacked on to, to what you learned? So physical therapy, I, I, I still practice, I mean, in the clinic, uh, just about every day. Okay. And for me though, it's, I love the physical aspect of it. I love movement in general, mm-hmm. but I, I noticed with my patients and this is something I'm even working on developing stuff for strictly, not strictly for, but specifically for people who are in physical therapy or people who have tried physical therapy and they're frustrated. They're pissed off. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, it worked for a little bit, but I didn't really get better. Stuff like yeah. that. And I have patients come to me all the time where, all right, they'll get 50% better. They'll get 75% better. And we cleaned up everything mechanically. Like, sure. Hey, they're moving great. They're doing all this, but they're still sleeping four hours a night. They're still mm-hmm. eating just this highly inflammatory diet and right. they won't listen to me about water. And so yeah, yeah, and simple so stuff. Forth. Yeah. And I want to be able to, or really what I'm working on right now is like a basic nutrition thing uh, to kind of heal for physical therapy. Like, okay, you're in yeah. PT or you're trying to just get out of pain. Like, Hey, start with this. And I want to do stuff like, with sleep, with movement, with just stress, all of the above, but I'm starting to work on one thing, something that's usually pretty simple for people to do because it's hard for me. Like, okay, if I'm working with a patient and there's all these other people in the clinic and stuff too, you can't really go into and a lot of things and they'll ask you so many questions and well, I still have to be able to work with them sure. for, for that standpoint. So these people are coming to you, they have, maybe they have a shoulder in, in, injury or knee injury or something like that. And they're coming to you to, for to basically for rehab, like rehabilitation from something right, like that. Right. Exactly. And, and how much can they really fully, I mean, there's only so far physical therapy can go if somebody's eating McDonald's and, and sleeping three hours a night. Exactly. And yeah. I try and be frank with people. I try and tell them that, yeah. but it's, it's still sometimes an uphill battle. And, with today with insurances and everything too, mm-hmm. we're getting less and less visits. So I might only be able to like, you got to clean them up just faster and faster. Sure. Uh, and sometimes it's not going to work because they've been, their body's been breaking down, not just for the last 30 days that they've been in pain, but sure. their whole life, 30 years probably. Yeah. And some yeah. cases, so it's, it can be tough. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little. Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm, basically not too far from where I grew up. I grew up in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. uh, live in Easton now. And that's, uh, work just in and around the area. And, uh, Robin's rehabilitation is the, the clinic that I work at. Give me some frame of reference where, where would you say Easton? Easton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Give me like some frame of reference. So like where that's near. An hour North of Philly and hour West of New York city. 
Oh wow! Okay, so you're 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 on the east coast there in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like okay, just over gotcha. the Jersey border from New York there. Oh, cool. Okay, we should probably hang out because that's only like two hours, not even. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> One of these in person. That's uh, that's that's cool. So um, you know, you so growing up there, would did I know there's a lot of farms, like farm farmland around Pennsylvania? Would was that kind of part of your upbringing? You said you said your your grandfather was was big into health and. Yeah. So farms are, it's, it's a weird thing. Like the only thing you can find are cornfields, soybean fields. Uh, oh yeah. That's about it. They're, and those are even diminishing now. No, but there are a lot of, uh, small farms. Um, even, uh, like the Eastern farmer's market right near me yeah. is fantastic. Like yeah. it is, I believe the oldest outdoor market in the nation, which is really cool. Like they've been around since 1700s. Like no kidding. Uh, it's, it's going wow. really strong. And downtown, they also just opened up what's called the Easton Public Market, mm-hmm. which is now it's like uh, four or five days a week that they're going to be open where it's farms coming from probably a 60, 50 to 100 mile radius or so. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But again, they're coming down here, uh, different, like, again, people with produce, uh, different um, types of animals. Like, I think there's a place that does pork, a place that does beef, like, mm-hmm. and little restaurants i think going in there so that actually is just opening up either yesterday or today and i'm excited to go check that out probably this weekend even very cool so was that a big part of your of your life as a kid did that sort of environment and and so going into that yeah going back to where my grandfather is then like he had uh, like four or five gardens in his backyard and they were i think they were probably 40 50 feet long by about 20 feet wide each of them so he had a lot and my parents have two really big gardens so that was something I grew up with. Like yeah. my mom, she, she like canned tomatoes. She did like made pickles like this and that. So and you were in it. That was, this was, you were, this was, you know, normal to you growing food and knowing. Fairly we're- normal. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. we had like a couple of apple trees. Uh, so it's, it started to, it's, it's something now that I see in myself. Like I am passionate. Like I'm yeah. redoing my garden fence and stuff right now. I was just, yeah. or I, today I was out there doing it. Uh, just getting it ready for the year. Like I'm down in my basement here filming, but over on the other side of the wall here, I have like all my peppers, all my tomatoes kind of starting, up, so. starting to sprout. Yeah. I'm, nice. I'm just excited for it all. That's great. Great. We've kind of, that's a, that's a connection. We, we, I, I think that our younger generations are, are losing. How old are you? I'm 30 years old. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's, it's, uh, you know, you, you still have that connection as, as do I, you know, grow, growing up with food being, you know, you know, my parents cooked a lot. And there was that time. There was you know a stretch of time there where where it was TV dinners and and cocoa puffs. But you know, it's still I still have vivid <laughs> memories of of you know my parents cooking and and you know they still have a, a garden there. But uh, you know, we lose that lost that connection. What did your What did your grandfather do when he wasn't gardening? Like, what did he do? Well, for him? What I knew of him, he was retired. Okay. Uh, so, well, no, he he worked in the church a lot, but he also helped take care of the church cemetery. Like, he was the guy that he was there. Weed whacking and cutting the ground. Oh, yeah. Doing all that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, if he wasn't doing that, like, he and I, we would go fishing when I was younger. Fishing is still one of my favorite things to do. I love to just go fishing. Yeah. Uh, I grew up, I, I hunted a little bit and I've still dabbled in it, like some oh, yeah. stuff. But for me, it's smallmouth bass, bass, smallmouth bass fishing. Cool. Going out, catching them, flaying them that day. Just Is that something that you did with your grandfather? Yeah. Yeah. We would go, he, he and I would go to a lake an hour north of here up close to where he lived. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Some once in a while we would just go out on the lake. I remember it's funny you said this. So one day I couldn't have been older than 10 years old uh-huh. and we we're out. Like he had just a little, we, we hooked up like a little three horsepower engine on the, <laughs> on the rowboat basically. Nice. And every panfish I caught that day, he kept, and we cooked it for dinner. It must have been like twenty fish, and again, <laughs> they're only this big, so yeah. like it probably took them three hours just to fly them all up and everything oh, for my grandmother to cook them. Yeah, but he was thing- proud. You kept catching those fish, and he oh, was exactly. And he he was not going to throw them back for me. He was gonna. We were gonna keep them and eat them all. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's such a cool memory. That's such a cool memory. And did you, you did you was that were your parents influenced? You said your parents had a garden too, so was, there was a big influence there. Generation to generation, right? Yeah. And like my parents, we still go fishing. We used to go fishing in Canada. 
now because we don't feel like getting my son a passport every two years, we're just going like way upstate New York, a couple miles from the border. Yeah. But uh, yeah, always got to get up there, go hit the lake up for a few days every summer. It's great. Well, so and your parents too? Yeah, yeah. Like they, 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 so my grandfather started going, I'm just trying to think how many times I've heard this story. I think in 52. Wow. Uh, so he went, he would always go up with like two of his buddies fishing mm-hmm. and they would go up and eventually like my mom started going, my grandmother started going, my parents met in high school and then my dad started going with them like every mm-hmm. year kind of thing. Eventually my other grandfather started going. So it was like, there would oh, wow. be, I don't know, eight of us up in the cabin there or so. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we would just go uh, maybe six, eight, uh, it's all dependent on the trip, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, we would go out. Fishing in the morning, fishing in the afternoon, just relax, and then just relaxing during the yeah, day and yeah. stuff. Well, great, great memories. Great memories. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And so you, do you, your family, does your family have a cabin up there still? No, we, we never had a cabin. We would oh. just go, like, different lakes. We, we had a couple different lakes that we would stay on specifically. Yeah. And, yeah, you just get to learn them over nice. the years and just love fishing them. Great. And that's something you get to pass down to your own your own son, right? Yeah, I've, I've already... Uh, the one pole I picked up for him, it's like a nice ultralight. It's still a little big. Uh, yeah, well, he's one, on right? Or two? What's that? How old is he? Yeah, he's nine months. So. He's nine months, yeah. So yeah. he's got a little while. I'll just have to tie it to him. A few more months. Yeah, it's, that's all. Just weigh, <laughs> weigh him down a little bit with a Pretty much. cement block or something. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You can't talk too early. That's fine. <laughs> so so um, growing up, you know, with this sort of, you know, focus on maybe not necessarily health, but at least knowing where your food came from. And did you, did you ever suffer from any, any, so many people like myself included, you know, had, had my own health issues and was sort of the catalyst for me getting into this, but were, were, did you ever have any health issues that you could speak of that, you know, was uh, something that uh, kind of made you decide that you were going to go into this health field? And I think it was, I just more grew up around it. Like I didn't have, I mean, yeah, like injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. Like any kid just, hey, yeah, you're breaking bones. You're doing just all this stuff. And, yeah, you get injured. But I don't really remember yeah. ever any, like, major health issues for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, but, I like, looking back on it now, it's I realize the things that it's, like, I, I just made mistakes, like, along the way. Like, mm-hmm. more so in college. Like, sure, didn't sleep. Like, well, that's everyone. Stay up right? studying all that. And yeah, I know it's typical, but it's now I, I, I look back on it and it's like, why did I do that? I, pro- I could have still went out on the weekend, still had fun with all my buddies and just gotten a little more sleep during the week and probably felt better, probably sure. gotten better grades. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And just been able to, I would argue, maybe even enjoy it more just because mm-hmm. you didn't feel like sleeping through class every day because you were up, you only slept four hours because you were just studying all night. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, did you, uh, did you, uh, um, when your parents had, uh, you know, had the garden and stuff, did, was there ever, it was always like homegrown food, home, fresh, fresh food growing up. And, and that was, that was sort of the standard. For the most part. Yeah. yeah we always ate pretty, I mean, actually, how about this? We ate as clean, as clean as we knew how to kind yeah. of thing. Uh, right. we would probably order pizza. No, we ate pizza like every Friday night kind of thing. Like that, that was right thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. end of the week, we'd always get some pizza. Um, but other than that, I, my mom cooked in, I mean, we didn't go out to eat. I, like I said, we would do that maybe three or four oh, out of four, um, weeks, of, like, yeah. weeks in a month or something like sure. that. But other than that, we didn't really go out to eat much. Yeah. Uh, and even then it was like, yeah, made breakfast, made lunch, made dinner. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, I guess that's kind of what I've always been uh, ingrained to. I mean, and it was it's normal. Yeah. It just became that's what normal is. And for, for, you know, for too many people, it's like, that seems strange. What, what do you mean? You grow your own food and cook your own food. What is that? What, I don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> it's like, you can do that. <laughs> but I guess at the same time, it was one of those, I, re- I, I recognized like I was eating healthy, but I always wanted to eat healthier too. Right. So that's where even like as young as I can remember, like I started like, all right, you're reading magazines. I mean, I, I, I'm a product of the internet. Like I grew up where internet was just starting when I was yeah. in like fifth, sixth grade, something like that. You could get that old, like yep, the yep, dial yep. tone and everything. Uh, yeah, exactly. American online. <laughs> yeah. So like I started, okay, this is when I could start reading all that stuff. And granted 
anybody with a pulse could type stuff and put it out there. Sure. But I would still read it, like just trying to soak so it up. In high school. So this is like in high school, early, like early high school, middle school, you were, I would say you started in middle school even. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I would get that. I would get the bodybuilding magazines, like all that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. reading those. But yeah. yeah. And just started reading all about it. Really interested in it. And is that sort of where you, did you, did you know from around that point that you wanted to do physical therapy or something, you know, something with training or something, something to that effect? Well, I think the physical therapy was, I really didn't know what I wanted to do type thing. Okay. So I, through high school, just like everyone, you didn't know what the heck you were going to do. No, exactly. Like I, I knew, I guess as much as what I was interested in, like for me, it was, uh, I, when, by the time I was like junior, senior, I was like, Oh, I could go like exercise science and study that. And I'm kind of glad I didn't, I don't think I would have enjoyed that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, like, I just get the feeling like, all right, PT, Hey, this is what I was supposed to do. Like I, I, yeah. I picked it, like I stuck with it and I, it however, like someone I, who likes to work, who wants to work with people, wants to help people. And so that seems, seems like a natural fit. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I studied, I shadowed like my dad's a dentist. My mom's an x-ray technologist. Like, okay. So I went in, like I shadowed some of the docs. I shadowed some dentists, like I shadowed uh, some orthodontists, but none of that was really hitting home for me. Right. Uh, like I had PT then, uh, actually I was already in college when I had it, like uh, I injured my shoulder and okay. I'm like, all right, this will be cool. Like, but I didn't really know much about it. So, like, cause even when you're starting off in school, your first two years, really have no idea what you're getting into even sure. like for the next, like, cause it's still a graduate program. Well, how could you know? I'm 18, 19, 20 years old. I don't think you're supposed to really know what the heck you're going to do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I disagree with that okay. from the standpoint of, I don't think you have to know exactly what you're going to do, but mm-hmm. I also don't feel like we're given the opportunity to find out what it is that we're yeah, going to do. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that we, I think we probably could find out what we want to do, but mm-hmm. it's looking like, all right, now over the last five years, I've I've started studying all this stuff. It's like uh, I'll take these quizzes, like look at things, and it's like, what did you what did you want to do when you're eight years old? What yeah. you still like not cannot stop reading about? Like you still just like you look at your library shelf, right? Yeah. And, and like your bookshelf, and it's just like stacks and stacks of all these similar books. And I'm still passionate about it. I'm still reading all about it. So um, like even at eight years old, you were still into maybe bodybuilding or you know training or something like it was it was that the thing at eight years old i mean i i was still i was still recognized like okay food was still part of it i still recognized exercise was part of it those were really the only two i think that i i really had at that time mm-hmm. um the sleep part i really didn't get like any of the mindfulness like mm-hmm. i i think actually you probably are really mindful at that age uh yeah you just don't think of it as being mindful because like even now, like I said, my son's nine months old, but you can see like when he's into something, like he's a hundred percent there. Like, right. Exactly. He's playing with him, like that is an absolute unbelievable state of mind. Yeah. It's like, sort of beaten out of us as we go to school. So right. I think the younger people are the more mindful, the more present kids are. Well, and talking about the, even the, the, the beaten out of it when you go to school, but the ADDs, the ADHDs, it's like, no, these kids are just thinking about other things. It's not that sure. they can't pay attention. It's just, yeah, they're bored with that stuff. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that because everybody wants to learn about different things. So yeah, exactly. To have a kid sit and sit still for eight hours a day and pay attention to a teacher is really probably really extremely boring. And not talking about anything that they want to know about. Um, it's a terrible environment for a kid. Even I was, I went to, I drove down to Philly last Saturday. I, I was just, it was a three day conference, but I went for a day. Like somebody invited me down, so I went to check it out. I was there for eight hours. Oh my God. I cannot be in a chair. Like I had, I got up, I kept moving. I'd go to the yep. bathroom. Like I'd go stand in the corner. Like I can't do it now, but I recognize yep. like I felt like garbage just sitting there mm-hmm. from the standpoint, like what is my body? Like I just could feel myself like slopping yep. down and everything. And then I get up, you stretch around, you at least feel better. But that's what these kids want to do. Like that's right. why they're up and moving. Like they're dancing because they're, right that are doing it and they can exactly. actually pay attention when they're doing that. Then did you, too. did you struggle yourself in school with, with, with that? Did you have a little bit of the ADD in, in school yourself? No, I think because I was, I was one of those, like I had just followed the rules. Like that was oh, yeah? how it went. Uh, okay. 
but at the same time, it didn't mean I wasn't bored out of my mind sometimes. Yeah. Just yeah. because it was like, all right, like, what are we doing? And I recognized that more when I got to college where it's like, all right, well, when do we get into the stuff here? It, it, it felt like it went at such a slow pace sometimes. Um, yeah. It's just like, okay, we'll keep going, keep going. Like lectures half the time. I, I would always go to lectures again because I felt like I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, okay. And then you go and you read it. And some of the stuff you get out of the textbooks is so much more profound than some of the stuff that the uh, professors are saying. It's like, why isn't this, this the stuff that we're going over? Or yeah. when I'm going out and re- then still have all these bookmarks on my computer, all these other things I'm reading. I'm like, why aren't we going over this kind of stuff rather than just the most rudimentary exercises that are just like, okay, if you can't, if you can barely walk, these are the ones I'm going to give somebody, but yeah. people need to be able to go. And, and again, I'm, I'm chain, trained then now from more from the Czech Institute. So Paul Czech. So it's, all of these other different dynamic movements. Sure. And yes, isolation is important when you're first rehabbing from something, but you need to progress. You need to get people deadlifting. You need to get people lunging, like mm-hmm. all of these things that, Oh, you can't do that. And it, it drives me insane because I still get it day in and day out. The the one that still gets me the most is, ah, my doctor told me I can't ever squat again. Hmm. And immediately like, Without hesitation, I, the very first thing I say to them is, how did you sit down in that chair? Yeah, exactly. And they get this almost like ghost-like. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my That's God. Kind of squat, isn't it? It's, it's exactly what it is. So I mean, at that point, it's just a matter of increasing the range of motion over time. And, and before you know it, you're getting a full squat. And Well, even if – maybe they're not going to get to a full squat or maybe right. they don't have to get to a full squat. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not – if you don't need to do that, if that's not your – absolute desire to get out of pain and stuff. If you just yeah. want to be able to sit down on the, down into your chair and stand up and be able to be pain free doing it. Sure. That's, that's yeah. where I want to get you. Yeah. But yeah. To think that you can't do that or to think that you're not supposed to bend over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the body is supposed to do that or you're going sure. to be in for a lot of other problems down the road too. Yeah. The, the school thing, I want to touch on that a little bit more because it's something that's, that's interests me is, you know, as a, as a dad, do you think about that? Like where, you know, you talked about your, your son being so aware and, and kind of, and present and, you know, so are you concerned with kind of the public school system and putting him, putting him through that, knowing that this is not, not the ideal situation? Or? So, all right. I, I have about 30 different things that I want to get to now. <laughs> that's, that's a great thing to go to. First of all, uh, standupkids.org. Um, Kelly Starrett, uh, he he's like a, a CrossFit guy out in San Francisco, but he's a PT and he has this nonprofit where it's they're getting standing desks and oh, cool. swift yeah. balls for chairs, like for kids that they want to use, yes. like that kind of stuff. And they're getting it in classrooms now. And like, so that's one yeah. place that I actually donate to because yes, get yeah. this stuff into classrooms. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that could be something I can see myself doing is like, all right, as my son goes through school, like I'm going to make sure that I'm making enough money so that I can donate to his classroom, like kind of yes. as he goes through school, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just to be able to do something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I can make that type of thing happen. Uh, it, because, yeah, it, it, it has to happen. Um, yeah. But then, like, going off of, like, the public school system and stuff, it's – there's so much opportunity for education out there right now with, I mean, Khan Academy, Udemy, yes. uh, Coursera. I, I Have really you considered homeschooling? What's that? Have you considered homeschooling? Was that something that is that a scary thing? Because for us, it's a little scary. I am not going to be the one that does it. <laughs> what? No, and yeah. not from a. That's not my. Uh, that's not my dream. That's not my like passion yeah. in life. Uh, so I, I can't do that because that's that's not what I'm here to do. Gotcha. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to that by any means. Uh, if my wife would want to do something like that, like I would be all in supporting her. I would give her many resources like as I can with that. Yeah. Uh, or if we looked into, because uh, I know there's some Montessori schools. Yeah, that's where our son's in a Montessori right now. Montessori school right now. Uh, Waldorf school. There's Waldorf school. Yeah, we have a Waldorf school near here. That we have we have a couple of options around 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 us. That's that we're looking into. But the public school yeah. thing is just not. You know, I don't. I just don't see that being. 
an option, really. <laughs> and, okay, so kind of getting back to where I was even taking that, I guess. Yeah. As far as an option, you know what? He, he would be in school from whatever it is, 8 to 3 or whatever it is. Well, there's still time before that and after that, sure. and there's weekends and stuff. And I will get him every single book he wants. I will, if he wants to go take classes with me, I will go take classes with him. Yeah. Like if, if he wants to do stuff online, like online courses, that type of thing, like mm-hmm. I'm going to be fully supporting that. Yeah. So I, cool. and where I was going to take this then even after that was where, what is college going to be in 18 years? Yeah. Right. I don't know what the education, what higher level or quote unquote higher level education is going to be. Yeah. I think there's going to be, I see there being fewer colleges and universities in the next 15, 20 years. I I think there are going to be ones that shut down because they are just so outpricing themselves. Yeah. And the system is antiquated. They're either going to change or they're going to be obsolete. Right. That's exactly what it's going to be. And I had a conversation with a patient actually just this week and they were saying, you know, what's going to change the game? When some of these companies, because it's going to happen, when you see the first major company start accepting the the new online platform as like certifications and degrees, yeah, something something wild is going to happen. Yeah. I just know that. Yeah, because then you have kids that are just have much more access to the education that they that they really want, that they really they're interested in something, and that could change from week to week or year to year, you know. And so, and and with the online platform, they could just learn. You know, it's like my, my, and my son's four and we're, we're doing that already. If he's interested in bugs one day, we, we look up some education, you know, he's got books about, about bugs and, or dinosaurs or, or space and planets. He's super into, to planets. He can name all the planets like better than I can, like the dwarf planets and everything and their moons. It's insane. Like, I don't know this shit. (laughs) He's like, he's, he's fully into it. So then Joe, did you. I mean, besides just providing with resources, like, is, is, are there any specific things that you guys use, any specific platforms, like, that he really likes to go to to learn from? Um, not necessarily at four, you know, we, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't just give him the iPad and let him, let him go, go nuts. First of all, we don't want him around the, 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 uh, Wi-Fi as, right. you know, as little as possible, but you know, it's just a matter of doing, do, you know, search, searching on YouTube for something he's going to be interested in and books. I mean, he's got a, a library of national geographic books that, you know, would, you know, it's that, uh, you know, anyone would be proud of and he's he's totally into it and That's like awesome. i said for for he's four and not only knows all the regular planets that everyone knows but like you know knows the dwarf planets and knows each you know the names of the moons it's just that's what he's interested in right now and so yeah. you know we we let him just learn as much about that as possible so i mean he they they did a planet month at, at his montessori school and he was he knew more than the teacher <laughs> you know, so it was pretty cool, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that's the, you know, as you get into that, that public school, that, that school system where it's like, okay, no, you're going to learn what you're going to learn this. And that's, that's your option. You don't, you, you can't learn what you want to learn about. And that's sort of starts to, starts to, uh, have, I think a, a deeper psychological effect than we've, than we realized over these, you know, decades you know, I think you're um, you're not telling a kid that he can't learn about space, or or even if a kid expresses interest in being, you know, an astronaut or something like that, and you tell them, "Well, that's not likely." You're not telling them that, that you know they can't learn about this stuff. You're telling them that they can't learn. Period. They they can't explore. That they can't you know uh, uh, be interested in in what they want to be interested. in. And I think it really sort of kills their spirit at a, at a young age. And I think part of that is I, I can't even put all this on the teachers too, because it's True. not like, yeah, sure, it's a system. Some, some teachers are just killing dreams. Like I, you knew who they were growing up. Like you can see yeah, my third grade teacher. I still have resentment for <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, so you see it, but there's still other teachers where like they want to encourage us yes. and they will. But at the same time, if they're not sometimes going over, okay, what's going to be on the, Whatever the, your state testing platform is, right? Exactly. Matter. They have to teach to the to this ridiculous test yeah. that, that hold that's that's you know has nothing to do with the student learning as much as it does how to that the the teachers being judged on the the student's performance. 
all it has to deal with are the what the sixty year old white guys sitting at your state capitol. <laughs> they're the only ones making these tests. They're the only ones making these laws. Like that's that's I I listened to somebody. I don't know if it was a I don't think it was a TED talk, but something similar where they were talking about like the SATs and the SATs. Yeah, there have been some changes, but I don't really know how much they've evolved. And again, who was this SAT designed for? It was t- designed for uh, a higher class income, white families. Yeah. good neighborhoods, like all this and that. And for like getting them into their top schools. Like, right. What about everybody else? <laughs> yeah. Is it really just a way to filter these kids out so that, so the colleges can say, look, we, you know, we've got this, you know, we've got these particular stats just because they were able to filter out the kids that they wanted based on test scores. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, something we can, I feel like I could talk about forever, but, um, Let's get back to you a little bit. Um, when you, so you knowing pretty early on that you wanted to work, you know, work with people, help people, went into physical therapy. Um, was there was there um, a time when you 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 realized? I mean, you alluded to this before. You realized that you know just the physical therapy wasn't enough. You can't you can't uh, help someone who's you know struggling to sleep or has a stressful life or is eating crappy food. Um, what was, did you, you went to check Institute Institute for, for a while? Is that? Yeah. So for me, after I graduated, I started just, all right. It was finally like, I, I had time to read whatever the hell I wanted, which was an awesome thing. Like in college I read textbooks or notes or whatever. And it was just like, yeah, sure. I'd read things online, but wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. And after I was at, I started, uh, I think back in 2009, like it was when I started working as a PT mm-hmm. and my boss and I got pretty close and we started listening. He, he got me on to listen to podcasts. So okay. 2009 podcasts are still pretty fresh, right? Like, yeah. and thank God I found underground wellness with Sean Croxton mm-hmm. because the people that he had on, like were just unreal. Yeah. They really were. He is, I mean, he's continued to grow and still does awesome to this day, but yeah, he had Paul check on, uh, that spring. Like this was then, I think 2010 by that fall, I had already started enrolling in some of the courses and my treating just as a PT would, I mean, within the first couple months of me sure. starting some of that, like it would never be the same, like in, yeah, in a great way. Yeah. Uh, and then it just took off from there. I mean, I've studied for the Czech Institute, uh, I'm a mentor, like for some of the nice. people at the Chang Institute now. So what did you like, do? Did you do H- HLC one? Is that what you start? So with? I, I've done. I started with exercise coach, and then I did practitioner one, practitioner two. Okay. Uh, working on case studies for practitioner three right now. Uh, I did HLC one, two, three. Wow. I'm redoing. I got to actually sign up for that. <laughs> redoing two in a couple months because I would like to start even teaching uh, for the institute. So yeah, just trying to get all that going. Uh, I'm getting like basically all their prerequisites in yeah. so that I can start teaching for them as well. I'm curious just to back up a little bit. You, you said your dad's a dentist. Your mom does uh, radiology. Is that kind of, uh, she's a radiologic technologist. She, she takes x-rays. Yeah. yeah. Right. So did you, did you, did your dad, I guess, you know, I guess I kind of, I put some weight on, on the dad to, to sort of say, you know, I would, I, did he, did he want you to go into a specific field? Was, was there something that, did he want you to be a dentist at one point or <laughs> was well, just really I mean, open? He was open to it. Like if that's what I wanted to do, yeah, yeah. I was certainly encouraged and certainly welcome. I could do that. Like I said, I interviewed then even, um, or not interviewed, like I shadowed an orthodontist for a while then too. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I think it was the health field was the only thing that I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, here's the other thing too. I would have been, I would have gone into history probably had I known oh, yeah? what I could do with it. I thought the only thing I could do or was basically write papers or be a history teacher. Right. Either of which I wanted to do it all. But now <laughs> looking at it, it's like, okay, well, I could have gone like history, but I could have also gone, uh, like, you can travel the world and study like ancient civilizations. And mm-hmm. I could see myself now, like, all right, like, the Egyptians, like the Mayans, like all these cultures fascinate me to no end. Yeah. But I could have done like, I could see myself like as, Hey, I think it would be cool to be a modern day Weston A. Price. Sure. You know? yeah. Going 
traveling the globe right now, like yeah. still studying the semi-indigenous cultures that are still there mm-hmm. and then bringing that back, sharing what I found because, and, and so you can take that into, what is it? What would that be? Not sociology. Uh, like, uh, I can't think anthropology of anthropology or anthropology. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Where, where you're just looking at that. And I didn't even know stuff. that that was a thing back in high school though, sure. either. So, yeah. Well, it seems like you went the direction you needed to go and you're doing, you, you know, you're doing what you wanted to do. And, yeah. and, and and I can still do whatever I want to do. So yeah. at the same time, I, I maybe that'll happen in 10 years, in 30 yeah, years. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. World, world's wide open. So what, what's, uh, what's, you know, talk about your site, evo-health.com. What do, you, what do you have going on over there? So right now, I, I really like to write. It's funny. I, I just that. said I, I was going to say, you seem like a really creative person, too. You like to make videos. You like to write. Yeah, I, I it's, like I said, I, I didn't want to be a history major because I didn't want to have to write papers, but I didn't because I only knew what a term paper was at the time too. Yeah, so right. Now, Who wants to do that? Yeah, it's eleventh <laughs> and twelfth grade English, like coming back to me. <laughs> right now, it's I can write on whatever I want. So I, I'm starting to get into like, oh, I've been blogging. I, I shoot a video every day, uh, usually a lot of times with my son. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just again, I'm just trying to share whatever it is, any of my experiences mm-hmm. so that hopefully it can help others out and hopefully they can maybe say, Hey Nick, what about this? And like, I can get something awesome from them, from them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really what I'm doing is just putting out a lot of content over there because yeah. I like to share it. Uh, I have a couple of clients that I work with, mm-hmm. uh, one-on-one. And then for me, like I said, right now I want to, I, I'm, I'm with actually another physical therapist starting to work on, designing for lack of a better term, a nutrition program mm-hmm. for people in PT. But okay. I want to tailor it towards that because again, I want to find a niche that's I I see as being underserved sure. from yeah. that standpoint. I'm very close to that field. So it's a very intimate thing for me. And it's hard for me to tell people, like I said, I, yeah, I still get two to three hours a week with somebody, mm-hmm. but I can't focus solely on that. Because if I do, I don't get paid uh, because insurance won't yeah, reimburse right. us. Pick up the tab and all that. Yeah. I still have to work on that. And so I don't like it from that standpoint. Uh, but that's why I want to have be able to give them stuff. You still have the to, desire to, to help people in a, in a deeper, more meaningful way. And so exactly. it makes sense. Yeah. So it, it can be like, okay, you know what? I can tell you these things. I can give you like, and, and we do, like we have some small handouts that we can give them, mm-hmm. but some people just want more or some people won't believe that just because it's a handout. Like it's sure. that you, you, somebody gives you the most incredible thing in the world, like this amazing presentation, all these books, everything for free mm-hmm. and you don't do anything with it. Sure. Cause they, value they could give you a single book and charge a hundred dollars for it. You're going to read every oh, yeah. damn word in that book and Two soak it times. up like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People have to have some sort of some skin in the game for them to, to take action. I totally agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but other than health, is there anything else you like to write about? Yeah, kind of. So I also, <laughs> I've also studied shamanism, right? Okay. And I knew there was something else there. I just had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I didn't really think about it. Like, I don't necessarily like to go out and write about other things. Yeah. But when I go on shamanic journeys, I still always, I still have my journal, like, right next to, upstairs, like, in the one room I is where I journey. That's where I just do it. Because that's, again, yeah. like, I have places where I do my breathing exercises. I have places where outside of my Tai Chi tree where I do that. Yeah. But the one place, uh, the one, like, made basically my office upstairs, that's where I do that. And I love just looking, like, just it's almost like that stream of consciousness. Like I might pop up, like I might be, I I usually lay down, have my eyes closed, blindfold on. And sometimes I'll just like pop up and just start scribbling down, like whatever I'm in the middle of, whether it's on the upper world, the lower world Uh and without even like blinking an eye, then I can just be right back there and just go. And then I'll look at some of these things. I When you can, when you pop up and start writing about that, um, you're very obviously very in the moment. It's a stream of consciousness. Do you look back at what you've written later and does, does it still hold the same? Does it make as much sense? 
Like I, I can imagine in that moment, it makes no, perfect it sense. It makes more sense, actually. It makes more sense. Because I, it's not that it doesn't make sense at the time, but I'm also... I'm almost not paying attention it's to what even, I'm writing. It's not really you, or at least it's not your. It's not your ego writing it. It's there's some other higher plane that's yeah coming it, through. It's, I know where I'm at. Like I, I can see everything. It's clear as I can see you. Clear as I can just look around and see everything right here. Yeah. Um, but I'm almost still in that world when I'm writing. So as I'm writing stuff, it's okay. After I come back out, back to the middle world here, uh, that's when I'll look at it. And yeah, there, then I'll look back at things like a month later, sometimes a year later. It's just like, wow, wow, that's pretty cool. And <laughs> the amazing thing is like, I do a lot of journeying. Um, so if I'm working with a client, I will journey on what I need to basically help them with or what, like, cause yeah, I can see things on paper and they'll like, you know, like if you work with people, you have a lot of paperwork that you want them to fill out. Truly, I could almost, I almost don't need to give them stuff sometimes. Sure. Like I can just go do this and I know within 15 minutes, a half hour, yeah. what exactly it is that you need, need to help be. them with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. But then I'll do that in all aspects of my life, whether it be for my personal health, for my family. I mean, I can hear them making noise upstairs uh-huh. and stuff, or just for my business, for a patient that I'm working on. And for where sometimes I do get stuck and you're like, you know what? This isn't adding up. I'll do like a quick journey on that mm-hmm. and you can just find things out about the body that you don't even realize. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. When did you, when did you start, you know, um, when, when did you start with your interest in shamanism and, and, and that sort of aspect of connecting to, you know, where, however you want to call it, connecting to source or different planes. When, when did that start? Probably about four years ago, I think, mm-hmm. uh, stumbled across, uh, all I can remember is Michael Harner. He's the big guy, North American foundation for shamanic studies, I think. Uh-huh. And read his, he's just reading his book. Uh, I think it's the way of the shaman. He wrote this back in at least back in the eighties. I think mm-hmm. that book was just blew my mind. And I've read it several times since. Uh, but then I took their basic, like, their intro to shamanism, basically class or weekend, uh, course. Uh, but I've taken a couple others and it's just, I enjoy doing it. Like it's one of those things I, I I can see as I'm not where I need to be with that. That's something that I feel like you need to, and you need to study with more and more people. Could I do it? I, yeah, actually I probably could, but Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those that's, now I'm seeing now as I'm saying it, it's an insecurity of mine yeah. um, where is it, in, is an insecurity where you, you just worried about what other people are going to sort of think about that? Cause it's understood would be totally understandable. It's just an insecurity as far as you want to know more. It's no, it's an insecurity of, I almost don't believe it really. <laughs> or I, I don't believe in myself with being able to do it. It's scary how effective it is. And mm-hmm. I think that almost worries me because yeah. it's like, well, why do I, I guess it's almost a validation thing. Why do I give people 30 pages of intake paperwork? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think I need to justify what I'm charging when I could actually figure out what I need to do. If I go lay down for 15 minutes, close my eyes, go into that state and I could actually see exactly what they're going to write. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess it, it almost, again, it's more of a, it kind of scares me how effective it can be. Sure. Sure. It's, is it, um, how, how easy is it for you to get into that state or was it, has it gotten easier the more you've practiced? For some reason it was super easy for me. Really? Yeah. I, I, I can, I actually don't really need music for it anymore. I still like to listen to the drum beat. But I can do it without any beat, any rattles, like anything like that. I can, if I close my eyes, I can just, as long as I go, like I know where to travel to, like I can get there. And I found like, because when I took the first class, I was like, all right, this is going to be cool. Like I'm excited. And I was a kid on Christmas when like, <laughs> the first time we did it, like the first time the teacher walks us through it, and shit, like my notebook after that first one, I mean, I'm writing, writing, writing. And I remember the, the first, like right after our first journey, I mean, 
we're an hour, two hours into the weekend here. And so the first the, time you did it was sort of like a guided, was it like a guided journey? No, not at all. So it's, okay. you kind of, they just prepare you, let you know what's going to happen. Uh, like we talked through it a little bit, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about shamanism. And then uh, he starts beating his drum and everybody just kind of gets like, gets in their state, gets their masks on, whatever they want to do to get ready. And I really wasn't sure. And holy crap. Then, okay. So go through the first one and he's like, does anybody want to share? And I didn't raise my hand, but I was, I was probably screaming like, yeah, I I just like something about me. Like I probably wanted to share it so badly that I didn't even realize it. And he's like, how about you? Do you mind sharing? And I just opened up like, just whatever, like so on and so forth. Like, and it was amazing. And it's just, it's something that comes very effortlessly to me, actually. Wow, that's incredible. That's the first time I've heard someone uh, say that it was so so effortless. And uh, so, did you did you know what to expect? You talk about you know the the middle realm and and did you did you did you recognize like what was happening as it was happening? Uh, like I said, yeah, it was clear as day. I can. This is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. You again. My eyes were closed. But yet I could picture everything and it was so vivid. It wasn't like I had to pretend to like make it work. Like, Oh, I have to imagine these things in my head. No, it was just evolving all right in front of me. So it was pretty hard to you. You know, I have to ask, I mean, and I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it when, but you know, when I, typically when I hear someone going on journeys or, or shamanism, there's, there's some, you know, some sort of substance, ayahuasca or something to that effect. Have you, have, have you, uh, you know, experimented with that or do you feel like you don't need it i've never even seen this stuff so i don't really know um (laughs) so i just i oh jenny delbridge i had her on my podcast uh, a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and she goes and this is a a quote from paul check she goes you don't need a shamanic journey if you have a kid. <laughs> I just thought it was absolutely hysterical when she said, "That's great." I dying. But uh, no, I've, I've I never had like. Would I do it under the right circumstances? Yeah, I would only do it. I mean, with some highly, I would have to be in a complete state of trust to go into something that serious. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what the, the what you're describing is, you know, what I hear other people describing. You have tried LSD or ayahuasca or something like that. It's almost it almost seems similar, maybe not as vivid or or uh, abstract, but uh, you know. To, I don't know. It was pretty wild. Like I, even when I journey now, like I can do some pretty cool shit in it. Like all <laughs> the animals that I'm hanging with, like yeah, it's pretty wild. Like we, you can do some pretty cool stuff, and it's. I've. Do, uh, do you think it. that pretty much anyone anyone could sort of tap into this? It's yeah. obviously you had to learn some something. Taking it's just it's ever it's available to anyone. No, this this one hundred goes one hundred percent goes back to something like we touched on earlier. What about that eight year old kid? Yeah, you know we've all been there. We've all done this. How many imaginary friends did you have growing up? I still do. Okay, that's our point. I, I can remember, I can, like, I, I had three imaginary friends growing up, and, like, th- this was something we talked about, like, in the class. They're like, yeah, imaginary friends, like, yeah, that's, that's like, touching into all these different worlds and stuff. Yeah, is like it really imaginary? It. What's that? I'm sorry? Is it really imaginary? Yeah, but it, it's that same state. Like, you can get there. Like, you've everybody's been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, can you reaccess it? Like, can you get back to that state? Uh, and you can. It's just how really willing are you to just kind of let it go and just dive right in? That's the thing. There's got to be a lot of fear and attachment, you know, obviously attachment that we have to, to the physical form and fear of going into into that realm. There's got to be a lot of fear there. For you, obviously, there isn't. But for, I think for most I people, there is. I, I never thought of actually. See, <laughs> Joe, it's funny. Like, you bring that up. That never even crossed my mind. Never even crossed. Sorry, no. I put that in your head. <laughs> no, because I, that's something I, it's just kind of, I can let stuff not, not even go pretty easily. Like, yeah. just get me stressed out. It's pretty tough to do. It seems uh, like it would be. <laughs> I just, I can relax very easily. I can stay calm. I mean, yeah. 
I guess I, it's something I, I've probably trained myself to do. Uh, and again, with all my mindfulness practices, yes, I've probably gotten better at it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it all feels pretty easy for me to do that. So sometimes your I guess, wife do that? Is, is, is your, your wife into that? No, she could Does not sit still for 30 seconds if you paid her to kind of thing. Really? Uh, no, from, the, from the standpoint of she can do it, but for her, it's like, she loves to read things. Like uh-huh. if she's like in a book or something and I try and talk to her. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, give me yeah. a minute. Like, give me a minute. like wait till I finish the page. Like she's right. all in. And that's awesome because that's, I think that's really her form of mindfulness uh, without even realizing. Like sure, she's she'll focused say, on that. What's it? She's focused on that. 100%. Like she's not going to sit down and try and meditate, do anything like that. She said she's tried it. She, she can't do it. And could she probably do it? Yeah. I really believe that she could. But she doesn't want to, and that's not her thing. So why yeah, bother? Not, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I, I have, yeah. I can't, I can't sit. I can't sit. I'll, I need to do something. You know, I need to, I need to focus on something. I can't just sit there and meditate and clear my head. Right. I shouldn't say I can't, um, but it's, it helps me. You have to do something focus. else to do your mindfulness practice. Yeah, exactly. And it's still meditation. I don't think it matters. Right. It's still, it's still meditation. It's still mindfulness. Yeah, um, yeah. That's interesting. One of my, my favorite speakers and authors is Pema Chodron, mm-hmm. who is the first one to, you know, she teaches people how to meditate, but she'll admit that she sucks at meditating. Which is I remember refreshing. we talked about that before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We talked about when I was on that. It's hilarious, yeah. You know, it's funny you just said Pema Chodron, because I have these books, like I have her, I have Deepak Chopra, I have yeah. uh, Eckhart Tolle, like all these things on my bookshelf. Do you know the books I've never read or can't even get through the first chapter on are all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And yet I can go and I, like I said, if I'm going doing my Tai Chi, if I'm going, uh, just like I do more of like a deep breathing as my meditation. If I go do a shamanic journey, nothing. Like I don't even think about it. I'm just there. I'm, yeah. in it. I'm incredible. But yet I cannot read a lot of that stuff. I, I'm the same way. I'm. I would rather hear, listen to them speak. I would rather listen to. Yeah, sometimes it gets to me. I'm like, yeah. let's just go do this. Then. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> Interesting. You know that a lot of people do that. A lot, you know, and I think maybe I'm guilty of that too. Now that I, now that I think about it, it's like people prepare and prepare and prepare to get ready to do the thing instead of just doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't recognize that until we just actually until you said Pema yeah. Chodron, and then I was like, I don't know why I have all of those books. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, there's there's it's been said there's a particular book called "I Am That," mm-hmm. um, which is uh, you know it's um, uh, I, since I've been studying it, studying mindfulness and, and Buddhism and Eastern philosophy in general more. Like I bought that book probably five or six years ago. I was, and it, it, the story goes, if you, you know, you don't even need to read the book. You just need to own the book and, and have it in your presence and you'll get the answers out of it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it never seemed to th- work for me, but just, you know, the more I, I learn about this and the more, um, I tried to read it five years ago and it just was, it wasn't there. It didn't resonate with me. Now it makes perfect sense. Like I think for someone who's not ready to read a book like that, it, it's, it's going to seem just totally bizarre. Um, but I think when you're ready, it, it's, it's just, it's like I, I'm reading a completely different book than I tried to read five years ago. It makes perfect sense to me now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a matter of being right. Really interesting stuff. Nick, this was, uh, yeah, I think an hour and 15 minutes went by and, and, uh, was like a flash. <laughs> I've been having a blast. <laughs> a great conversation. Really good stuff. So, um, let's just remind folks where they can, they can find you online and, and, uh, you know, what, uh, do you work with people, work with, with clients yeah, you know, yeah. over online? And, and that's where, like, I do everything via Skype. Um, okay. yeah, like, head over evo-health.com. Uh, that's where, like I said, that's where my blog is. That's where any of my videos are, anything like mm-hmm. that. If you want to contact me, head over there, uh, barenakedhealthpodcast.com. That's where, again, all of those interviews are then. But again, they're linked right. between all the two sites there. Great. And yeah, that's that's kind Good of stuff. my thing. Well, Nick, this was great. Thank you so much for, for hanging out and having a, a great conversation here. Joe, you got it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, buddy.
Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.